Listen, this morning, uh, if you will, turn with me to the book of John, the 8th chapter. John chapter 8. And look at verse 41. The Bible says, You do the deeds of your father. Then said they to him, We be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. And Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech, even because ye cannot hear my word? Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. Did you see that? There is no truth in the devil, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks, he lies. He speaks of his own, for he is a liar. And he is the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convinceth me the sin? And if I say the truth, you do not believe me. He that is of God hears God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because you are not of God. I'm going to go over the first John, the fifth chapter. Looking at verse 4, the Bible says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world and this is the victory that overcometh the world even our faith who is he that overcometh the world but he that believeth that Jesus is the son of God verse 18 the Bible says we know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself and that wicked one touches him not This morning, I want to talk to you about finding a place in God where he can't touch us. Amen. The Bible tells us in the book of John, Jesus is on a big discourse speaking to people who the Bible says were Jews who had believed on him. These are people that believed on Jesus, but they were Jews. So they're New Testament born again people. And they begin to argue with him. And every time Jesus would speak, they would stand up and say, no, Jesus, that's not the way it's always been. Things have to stay the same. We want to keep things exactly as they were. And so as Jesus is talking with them here, he begins to talk to them about about the word. And he says, the reason you can't hang with me, the reason you don't understand where I'm coming from, the reason you don't know me is because you don't know the words that I speak. You don't know the word. And so they begin to debate with him and he says, if you really were the sons of Abraham, if you really love God the Father, you would love me also. Even though the message that I'm bringing may be something you've never heard before, you would love me also because I'm not teaching you anything new. I'm not bringing up anything you haven't heard before. Jesus was consistent and steadfast, always preaching the kingdom, always preaching the gospel, always staying with the message of the heart of God into every life that he came in contact with. But it says there that they didn't believe him. And he says there that uh, he's like, listen, he said, you speak against me, he said, and you're of your father, the devil. Because every time that you don't agree and come into agreement and alignment with the word of God, you and I stand condemned and you and I lie. But understand, Jesus teaches us right here that the enemy is a liar. 
everything that proceeds out of his mouth is a lie. There is no half truth. There is no sort of truth. Every time the enemy speaks, it is a lie. Every time he speaks over your life, it's a lie. Every time he talks about you through the person of somebody else, it's a lie. Every time that he tries to touch your life and and do things to you, it's a lie. He is a liar. He is a murderer. From the very beginning, he has always been a liar. The devil is a liar. He is out trying to lie over your life to get us going in the wrong paths, in the wrong directions, down the wrong roads by speaking lies over our our lives and allowing us to believe that in our mind and follow the path of that lie until we are completely and utterly somewhere in left field, alone, isolated, and destroyed because we've believed a lie. But then in John, 1 John chapter 5, Jesus teaches us how we overcome. He says, those who are born again, those who are born of God, they sin not. They do not habitually live in sin. But then he says, but this is how we overcome the world. Even our faith, our victory or our path to a victorious life or victory in an area of our life will always come through and by faith. Then he tells us this. He says, if you're born again, you're not going to continue to live in sin. And Jesus will keep that person and that you will walk into a place where the hand of the enemy cannot touch you. A place where the enemy cannot even lay his hand upon you. And as I look at this, I am reminded of Jesus telling us here that anyone who's born again shall not be living in some kind of habitual sin. Now, I just want to stay there just for a moment. Because somewhere in the body of Christ, we have changed our flavor and changed our attitude somewhere and become a place that is an accommodating place for all lifestyles and all people. And yes, while all people are allowed, all lifestyles are not. Hello. Though all people can come in, God, we believe that God changes lives through the power of his word, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the power of the blood. And how dare we use grace as a license to live some kind of lifestyle that is contrary to holiness and righteousness. But that person who is born again, who is in the hands of God, the Bible says there is a place where the enemy cannot touch them. The enemy cannot place his hand upon them. And so you see here that what the enemy is trying to do is he's trying to mess up our minds so that he can get his hands all over us. Listen, we as humans are a three-part being. We are a spirit. I am a spirit. God is spirit. I am a spirit. I possess a soul. That's my mind, my will, my emotions, my thought life. That is my soul. And I live in a body. As God, the Godhead is three parts. Let us make man in our own image. We are a triune man. Spirit, soul, and body. When you and I become born again, your spirit is regenerated. Your spirit is reborn. Your spirit is quickened. Your spirit man is brought to life. It is your spirit man that is translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son, into his marvelous light. 
To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. What goes? My spirit man. If I would die right now, it would be my spirit man that would go into the presence of God. Why? Because God is spirit. My spirit man is born again. My spirit man is regenerated. My spirit always chases the things of God. The Bible says that the flesh is willing, but the, or, the, or the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. My spirit is always chasing the things of God. My spirit is always chasing the goodness of God. My spirit is always chasing the glory of God. But my soul, my mind, my will, my emotions, the day I became born again, yes, my spirit was regenerated, but my soul was still unsaved. My soul still had the bad habits. My mind was still the old mind. My thoughts were still the old thoughts. And so as I began the Christian walk, I had to be not conformed to the world, but transformed in areas by the renewing of my, of my mind through the word of God. I had to have a soul salvation. I had to have a soul cleansing. I had to go through a process called sanctification. I had to go through a process where as I get in the word more and more and I see the reflection looking back at me, it doesn't look like what I am in the natural. So I'm striving. I'm asking God, continue to work on me, continue to mold me, continue to make me, continue to prune me. And as he's doing that, I'm going through a process called sanctification. And as I go through that process, I begin to become more into his image. But your soul realm is where we've got the mess. In our mind, between our ears is our biggest battle. Between our mind is the biggest battle you and I will ever fight. It's the biggest battle you and I will ever face is between our mind. And so what happens is this. The Bible says that the way you and I receive and walk in victory in this life is by our faith. Right? And so what we have got to do is we've got to get back into the word of God. And as we get back into the word of God, allow it to change our thought process, change our mind, begin to meditate on the word day and night. And as we meditate on the word day and night, our soul is now starting to line up with what our spirit man says, what the spirit of God says. And everything begins to change and then it will manifest itself physically out of us. Our soul realm is where the attack comes. It's where our thoughts come. It's where our bad emotions come. That's the realm where when you don't come to church, you hear this, man, you, you might as well not even go back because you know everybody know this and you know they're all talking. That's your soul realm. <laughs> That's the one where when you come to church and the, a man of God speaks a word over your life and you'd feel like you need to go forward and have hands laid on you and have people agree with you in prayer. That's the soul realm that says, man, don't you dare go, man. They're going to wonder if you left your wife. They're going to wonder if you're back on the bottle. They're going to wonder what's going on in your life behind the scene. They're going to think you're a sinner. That's your soul realm. It's those thoughts. That's where the enemy, that's where he pierces the fiery darts. Why? Because the enemy can't have my spirit. My spirit is reborn. It's a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things have become new in my spirit man. But my soul realm has to be cleansed and it has to be stripped of all the old thoughts so that my spirit and my soul can line up and I can have victory in my life. Now he says here that there is a place in God where the enemy cannot touch you. There is a place in God where the enemy cannot touch you. 
It is linked back to our thought life. Because, listen, we have got to get back to the place in the body of Christ where the Word of God is our standard and fully on everything else. Where we stand on the Word. And if the Word says abortion is murder, then abortion is murder. If the Word says that the homosexual lifestyle is an abomination to God, then that's exactly what it means. No gray area for that. We've got to get back to a Word where we believe that they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. We've got to get back to a word that says when we believe that we ask and we believe we've received it, that we've already have it according to Matthew 11. We've got to get back to a gospel where we say, I believe that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And so I need you to come forward and be anointed with oil. And I believe that as we pray the prayer of faith, that sickness is going to leave your body. Why? Because the word says it. But that's where we've got to get back to in the body of Christ is believing the word. Because what's happened in the body of Christ is time and time again, man, your soul realm is so messed up and so attacked by the enemy that we really don't even know what's going on. We don't know what's up and which way's down. And so that's when you go to the doctor report and they say, Jim, I'm sorry to tell you this. I'm sorry to tell you this, but you've got six months left. You got cancer. And so this isn't real. I'm setting a scenario. Listen, that's when you go, when you're standing there and they speak that into your life. And what do you do with that? What do you do with that? What a lot of people do is they come home and they get on the Facebook. And they begin to tell everybody, hey guys, listen. I went to the doctor today and he said, I only have six months to live. I I hope I can make it four And then all of our spiritual brothers and sisters on Facebook say, hey, man, I I know my mama and daddy went through it too and your granddaddy went through it. And man, it's just hereditary. You're probably going to go through the same mess. But I'll be praying for you, brother, that God has his will, that God's will be done over your life. (laughs) And so we'll go and we'll begin to speak to the soul, agree with the enemy, agree with the attack, agree with the warfare, agree with the thing that's against the body. And our soul is so messed up. This, now we stop going to church. Or when we pray, we're hoping instead of believing. There is a major difference between a hope and a belief. Man, <laughs> I hope in some things. I hope I get to go to the beach next year. I hope I get to go. But I know as I stand on this platform, I'm not falling through the floor. I know it. I hope that too. (laughs) But right now I know it. But listen, we have got to get back to a place where we understand that the word of God has its final authority. And if the word of God says whom the son makes free is free indeed, then whom the son makes free is free indeed. Our problem is in the body of Christ, the problem in my life, the only time I ever fail is when I get my eyes off of the book. It's when I get my eyes off of the word. You know, it's amazing. The apostle Peter went out there and, and you know, he's right in the middle of that storm and Jesus is walking by and he, he stops and he yells for Jesus. He says, Jesus, if it's you, 
speak a word, tell me what to do. And Jesus, who is the word, releases a word into the atmosphere. And he looks at all of them and he says, come. In the midst of your storm, in the midst of your situation, in the midst of everything you're going through, there is a word that was released to them that says, come. He never said, Peter, you come. James, you stay in the boat. Peter, you come. John, I'm sorry, keep fishing. He didn't say, Peter, you come. He looked at the bunch of them that were in a sinking ship and he said, come. And Peter stepped out of the boat and never walked on water. By faith, he walked on a word because you can't walk on the water, but you can walk on the word of God. And so what happened is the apostle Peter, man, he gets such a bad rap. Well, he took his eyes off Jesus. Well, he quit believing God. Well, he fell. The Bible says though a righteous man falls seven times, he'll always get up the eighth. It's okay if you get punched in the mouth. It's okay if you get a bloodied nose. What's not okay is to lay there and die. Lay there and give up. Not keep going forward in your destiny. Not keep going forward in your calling. Not keep pushing forward for your family. That's when it's a sin and that's when it's wrong. Listen, we've got to understand that the word of God is the thing that you and I have got to walk on. The word of God is the things that brings the impossibility into the possible into my life. It's the word of God that reaches down and changes my situation. Jesus said, and I sent my word and healed all who were sick and oppressed. Jesus is the word. The Bible says heaven and earth will pass away, but my word shall never go anywhere. He said, when a word is proceeded out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that thing that I released it to do. The word of God works if you work the word of God. The word of God works if you work the word of God. Listen to me, knowing this, knowing our covenant, some, some of us, I believe, need to sit back down and go back over our contract with God. Some of us need to go back over and, and go back over our covenant agreement with God and find out what's in there, what, what belongs to me, what I'm allowed to have, what I'm allowed to walk in, what's allowed to happen to me, what's not allowed to happen to me, where I'm allowed to go, where I can't go, and really understand the contract of the covenant that is over my life. Let me tell you this. When I was a renter, back before I bought my house, I had to rent and it's amazing because I learned something there, that I, but I didn't learn it until I moved into the new house, the one I bought. When I was a renter, I wanted to paint my house. And I had to call the landlord and get everything approved in order for me to paint my house that I'm living in. So I had to call and say, hey, listen, listen, Miss Perry, I was, I was thinking about painting the kitchen red. What do you think about that? Well, what shade of red? I don't know, red. <laughs> and I would have to take her swatches and she would come down and she would, well, let's put a little stroke on the wall and say, no, that's too red. I won't allow that in my hand. I'm paying for the thing. I'm paying the monthly payment. I'm paying to renovate it. But she's the possessor. She's the owner. She's the one in authority who can kick me out anytime she wants if I break the contract. 
There is a contract that limits me to what I can and what I cannot do in that home. I can cut the grass, I can trim a tree, but I can't plant a new one unless I go and get permission from her. I can take care of the house and vacuum. I can't get new carpet unless she approves the type of carpet, the color of the carpet, and everything else. Are you hearing me? But then one day God blessed me and I became a homeowner. Oh, yes, sir. One day I became a homeowner. And I walk in that house now. And I remember we were sitting there, Melinda and I, we were sitting there. We've got this family room. It used to be a garage. And there was, the, I have no idea why it was there, but it was one of those little quarter walls that come out. You know what I'm talking about? It doesn't go all the way across the room or even halfway. It's just there. I don't know why. It's just right in the middle. And we sat there and looked at that ugly thing for a year. And one day I got tired of hearing her talk bad about it. So I went and grabbed me a sledgehammer and I busted the stinking thing down. Busted it down while she was gone. I still have not patched the holes <laughs> that were in that wall. Why? It's my choice. I get to make the call. If I don't like the wall, if I don't like the color, if I don't like the roof, if I don't like the yard, if I don't like the tree, it's my choice. Why? Because I possess it. The covenant of God is not with me and the Father. Listen to me now. It is not with me and the Son. The covenant is ratified as an agreement between the Father and the Son. They agreed on the terms of the agreement. They agreed on the terms of the covenant. And God says, where can I find one that is willing to go and take upon himself the sin of the world? Where can I find that at? And the son says, I'll go and I'll do it. And the father says, the price is your life. The son says, I'll pay it. The price is your blood. The son says, I'll shed it. And then because what happens is when I become born again, there was a transfer and a substitution that took place, Christ's life for mine. And so in this agreement, God knew that he wanted to redeem me back to himself, but that I was in a fallen state and you were too. And so what happens is Jesus goes and he takes upon himself at a whipping post sickness and disease. Yes, he did. He took upon his very body all of sickness and all of disease. And he said, I'm going to take that upon myself and I'm going to pay the price to redeem Jim Totten from any sickness or disease that will try to attach itself to him. And so with the cat of nine tails, with the lashing after lashing, he was redeeming me from having to go and suffer through the sickness and the disease. He took upon himself my sin. How? Because it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. He's redeeming from the curse of the law, being made a curse for me, though he never sinned, though he never did it, though he never did wrong. He decided that, listen, if Jim's ever going to make it into heaven, if he's ever going to make it there, he's going to have to have me to go before him. So on the cross, Jesus becomes our sin sacrifice. He decided that I will pay the price to redeem mankind from ever having to go to hell. 
He paid that price. The Bible says Jesus became poor on the cross that we might become rich. The Bible says that, that with his stripes, we are healed. In the first Peter, it says by his stripes, we were healed because it was past tense. There are covenant rights that you and I have. Covenant rights for our children and our children's children to have the Holy Ghost. Hello. The book of Acts. And this gift is not for you only, but this gift is for your children and your children's children. And there are many that are called, that are far off. We have benefits. Oh, bless the Lord, all my soul. (laughs) And remember all of his benefits. Who loads me up with new benefits every day and every morning. Now, this is where I wanted to get to. We got to understand that there are covenant, covenant right things that belong to me. Things that belong to me. The Bible says here, anyone who's born again, the enemy touches him not. Anyone who's born again, the enemy touches him not. But the devil is a liar. So my question to you is if you're born again and if the enemy's touching you, why? Why? Because you and I believe the lie that this thing will never pass, that this thing will never get any better, that this thing will never change, that weeping may endure for the night, but I don't really believe his joy will come in the morning. We got to change our soul. And then here's the deal. If you and I find an area in our life where the hand of the enemy is on us, no, 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 no. We take authority over that thing in the name of Jesus and it has to go. Why? Because there is a place in God where the enemy cannot touch me. And if he's touching me, he cannot stay there. Why? Because, oh, the blood of Jesus that washes me white as snow. It changes my life. It redeems my life from destruction. It lifts me up and changes my direction. The enemy, the devil, the devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. We have got to stop believing this this garbage that he speaks over our lives. We've got to stop believing the garbage that he continues to speak over our lives and understand that, listen, I don't care what the doctor says. The truth says that with his stripes, I am healed. That Jesus became and bore my sickness and disease in his body. Stop believing this junk that the enemy speaks over you. Stop believing it. It might come through the mouth of a friend. It might come through the mouth of a church member. It might come through the mouth of of, of some backslidden preacher somewhere. Who knows? But if it doesn't line up with the word, cast it aside. Because the devil's a liar. You are the head and not the tail. You are above only and not beneath. You are blessed in the city and blessed in the field. You are blessed going in and blessed coming out. You are blood washed and blood bought and redeemed. You are filled with the spirit of God. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You are above only and never beneath. You are the righteousness of God. You are redeemed. You are blood bought. You are blood washed. You are a child. 
child of the, of the king. You are royalty. Yes, you are. Why? Because the word says it. The word says it. And so let's act like it. Amen. Let's act like it. Here's the difference. Pastor Jamie, I'm just about done. <clears throat> Here's the difference. In the body of Christ, we have got to get out of this mentality of a renter's mentality. We're not renters. We are possessors. The covenant is between the father and the son, and I am a beneficiary of that covenant. I'm a benefactor of it. You know what that means? That means in my will that I have, and I do have a will for my family. If I would pass away today, I have made my wife the beneficiary. She's getting all my stuff. She's getting everything. It does her no good today as I'm alive. Are you with me? She gets none of my stuff today because I'm alive. If I die today, now she's going to inherit everything that I am. Everything. She makes full 100% decision on everything I leave her. Here's the thing. She gets to make the choice what she does with my stuff. See, you and I have authority to work the word and to work this covenant. You and I have authority. We choose whether or not we're going to go lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Come on. We choose if we're going to lift up holy hands, one hand, one hand and, and raise and praise God. We choose that. We choose whether or not we're going to walk in bondage. We choose whether or not we're going to believe the report of the doctor more than the report of the Lord. We choose whether or not we're going to begin to speak the word into our children and our children's children. We choose a lot of things. And when we look back over it, we find little fingerprints all the time of the enemy over our lives. And it doesn't have to be there. It does not have to be there. As you stand with me this morning, listen. We all go through stuff, and I'm not saying everything that happens to you is because you've sinned. I'm saying the enemy is going to push his limits. He's going to try to see how far he can go. Let me finish on this. this just, I just thought of this. All right. In the garden, Satan's the father of lies. He's lied from the beginning, correct? <clears throat> he goes to Eve, and God tells Adam, not Eve. Eve isn't even created yet. He tells Adam, he says, listen, Adam. He said, you can do anything you want with all of these trees. Prune them, water them, sit in their shade, climb them. I don't care what you do with them. Just don't eat the fruit of that one. That's the tithe. That one belongs to me. You can have the entire garden and that one's mine. That's my tithe. As long as you take care of that one, everything else will be blessed. That's it. That's my tithe. That one belongs to me. The next thing you know, the devil is talking in the ear of Eve. And the devil says, listen, Eve, why don't you come down here and eat of God's tree? And she says, I can't either that when I can't touch it, can't be around it. God never said any of that. Her husband instructed her wrong. This should liberate women because it's not your fault. 
Seriously, listen, it was her husband. Her husband did what a lot of us do. We hear what God says. We know what God says. And we're just like, ah, we're not going to. Just die, leave it alone. Leave it alone, leave it alone, let it go. Now the enemy comes and she doesn't know what's going on. And she says, we're not allowed to touch it. We can't do this. We can't do that. Because she didn't know truth, she was deceived and she made a choice. Want me to prove it? She ate the fruit and nothing happened. And she also took to her husband who was instructed and knew better. And when he took a bite, the eyes of both of them were open from that very moment. You and I have a responsibility in this community. You and I have a responsibility in our home. You and I have a responsibility in our jobs and our workplaces. You and I have a responsibility. And to know to do good and do it not unto him it is a sin. How dare we know the truth and allow the fingerprints of the enemy to be all over our lives? How dare we know that whom the Son makes free is free indeed and walk around with all kinds of bondage, talking about everybody, head always low, always talking negative, always talking death and destruction and disease. How dare we? (laughs) But there is a place where the enemy touches you not. Look at your life today and if there is an area where the enemy is touching, I'm telling you that can be broken in the name of Jesus because it was already broken off of your life 2,000 years ago on a cross. I don't care how big it is. I don't care how ugly it is. I don't care how big and bad it looks like. I am telling you in the name of Jesus, all things are made possible. Every knee must bow. Every cancer cell must dry up. Every split marriage must come back together and reunite by the name of Jesus under the blood of Jesus that which was dead and lost must be resurrected and brought back to life in your life the moment you decide that today I'm no longer a renter but I am a possessor of all that God is I'm a possessor of all that he's given me I am a possessor of the covenant and I live this thing by a new and better way and by the blood of Jesus I stand it's not because I'm pretty it's not because of my nice suit it's not because I'm ordained in the church of God it is because I am blessed blood-bought, blood-washed, child of the living God, full of the Holy Ghost, because he chose to give me grace and to give me mercy and to set me on a rock and establish my going and go before me, making crooked places straight, cutting asunder every bar of brass and iron that would try to destroy me. He is good. He is for you. He is for you. He is for you. He's already done this thing. He has redeemed you from the curse of the law.